0: If
1: teaching students about one Abraham Lincoln is a good idea, how about teaching them about 100 Abraham Lincolns? We'll talk to Jim Percoco about how to do just that when we return on Civil War Talk Radio.
2: Is writing your passion? Is finding and honing your craft your goal? Come celebrate the art, craft, and business of writing with some of the most successful writers in the country at the 6th Annual Jolla Writers' Conference this October 20th through 22nd in San Diego. Have you been working hard at your writing? Are you in need of the energy boost a great conference provides? Do you want to self-publish but feel intimidated by the maze you need to negotiate to do so? Whether you're an aspiring or advanced writer, whether you write fiction or nonfiction, whether you're looking to publish through a major house or self-publish, you will learn with the best at the La Jolla Writers' Conference. Exceptional and uniquely accessible faculty, varied genres, small classes for fiction and nonfiction writers, an aspiring setting, and the chance to participate in read and critique classes with renowned agents and editors set this conference apart. Ready to jumpstart your career? Then join us this October. Come see why the La Jolla Writers' Conference was chosen by Writers' Digest magazine as a conference well worth your money. The 6th Annual La Jolla Writers' Conference this October 20-22. through Check us out at LaJollaWritersConference.com or call us at 858-467-1978. See you in San Diego this October. And in between, put your pen to the paper or your fingers to the keyboard and write.
0: World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you.
1: Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich talking today with Jim Percoco, author of Divided We Stand, Teaching About Conflict in U.S. History, and other works on the teaching of American history. In our first segment, we talked a little shop about the nature of public history and how, uh, how to get students out of the classroom and, and what kind of challenges one can present to students and how they will rise to those challenges. And I thought we would now talk specifically about, about how one does that in particular, uh, Jim, you took uh, some of your high school students from Springfield, Virginia, this past year, on a, a Abraham Lincoln trip uh, to the Midwest. Uh, and I believe you began that trip looking at this article here in the uh, Organization of American Historians newsletter. Uh, it says your first stop was just outside of Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati doesn't seem like a, a likely Lincoln hotbed of Lincoln studies. What, uh, <laughs> what brought you there?
0: Well, uh, a couple of things brought me there. Um, one of the one of the uh, seven monuments I was researching for my my latest book project uh, is a very intriguing Lincoln sculpture that was dedicated in 1917 uh, by George Gray uh, Barnard. And at the same time uh, that we were playing this trip, uh, organization known as the uh, Association of Lincoln Presenters, which is a group of about 150 guys and uh, some of their wives who impersonate uh, or personify uh, Abraham and uh, and Mary Lincoln. Uh, They have an annual conference, and I had gone to their annual conference uh, just to sit in as a casual observer when they were in in Vandalia, Illinois, uh, a couple years ago, and and I thought it'd be great to connect these guys with 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 my with my high school students in applied history and then uh... as as my book unfolded um, it just turned out fortuitous that we could i could connect my students with the lincoln presenters uh... at barnard statue in uh, Lytle park and that's basically what unfolded uh... on the first part of our trip that we we, we stayed in the same hotel with the Lincoln presenters and we, we commiserated with them and and talked talked talk Lincoln with them and then we, on the day that we went to um, to the statue um, my group got there first and what I did was I played uh, for everybody Aaron Copeland's uh, Lincoln portrait uh, in the shadows of Barnard statue and gave, giving it uh, some sort of sense of... Uh, of seriousness and then then about a half hour after that the uh, all these cars rolled in with license plates from all over the country that said I'm Abe number one Abe Abe and Babe you know so it was it was kind of a interesting mix of uh, of Americana in a lot of different ways and I wanted my students to to see both elements of sort of how Lincoln is interpreted in America
1: uh, that that's quite a group the uh the ALP the association of Lincoln presenters.
0: yeah they're they're an interesting crowd
1: they, they are i they came to the Lincoln museum when i was there we arranged to host their conference one one year and it was uh, it was unforgettable the uh, uh and some of them are very serious about what yes. they're doing and then some of them less so uh i suppose the ones who go to the conventions tend to be more more involved but I thought it was interesting to, to note the the hierarchy among the the Lincolns the uh, the, the ones who took themselves who took the, the history more seriously we were very right. dismissive of the supermarket opening Lincoln's who just put on the beard and the hat and hire out to whatever event needs some publicity
0: right and it's it, it, what, what I find really interesting is how some of these guys got called into this um, you know one guy grew a beard to, who's one of the serious uh, ALP members, uh, grew a beard because his boss didn't like facial hair. And <laughs> at, after he grew this beard, everybody started calling him Abe, and that, you know, one thing led to another. And he is a very serious, uh, you know, Lincoln uh, presenter um, that I think is, is more in line with, with what you're speaking about in terms of the, the serious versus sort of the, sort of the, uh, the campy shtick
1: yeah and, and you do get both both kinds certainly there's uh you get some short ones too, uh, mm-hmm. which is
0: always yeah, you do and um you know their late their late president uh, Dan Basick, who I had a lot of respect for um, and he was only about five six, but as he told me, he said, you know I may be short, but it's it's the man's character, it's the man's essence that's that's tall so
1: it, it is i i'm I did not hear of Dan's passing.
0: Yeah, he he passed away about eighteen months ago.
1: I, I'm enough out of touch with the Lincoln world not to have heard that. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, I mean he was very committed to the organization. Very committed. For very it. very committed. He was a good guy.
0: Uh, the 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 presenter who I've gotten actually the closest with, which kind of grew out of my Lincoln Monument pilgrimage, was George Bus.
1: Yeah, he's from well-known.
0: Freeport, Illinois, and, and I met him and. Have stayed in contact with him and you know met the late Rich Sokup who was the Stephen A. Douglas part of that team.
1: That's right. And, they, they did know, the I'm same.
0: very impressed with you know with the, the scholarship that that George brings to bear um, whenever he uh, interprets Lincoln's life.
1: Oh, George is very good, there's, there's no question. I'll put in a plug for uh, Fritz Klein of, of Springfield.
0: Right, I know Fritz as well.
1: He, he's. I think he's very thoughtful and does a good job. He was on, on this program a, a year or so ago, and listeners can go back and look that up and hear the, the first-hand story of a first-hand interpreter, first-person interpreter, if,
0: if you choose but, to do that. But what strikes me, though, is, you know, it's you know no other no other guy in American history no other personality in American history has such a crowd of boosters i mean you don't find jefferson impersonators i mean they're there but they're not a collection you know you you don't find george washington or or teddy roosevelt's but in in large numbers but you get you know upwards of 150 guys from across the united states that that somehow find an affinity with with the 16th president
1: you know that's true. The the only comparable figure, it seems to me, in terms of numbers of impersonators, would be Elvis Presley.
0: <laughs> yes, I would agree.
1: And I, I've made this argument in the past that if you if you go by these supermarket tabloids, the Weekly World News type, uh, the, the silly newspapers, one of the re- there are only a few recurring historical figures. Uh, Elvis is certainly one. He's always being seen alive somewhere. Uh, Kennedy is another. Mm-hmm. They, just, they can say JFK found alive, and, and everybody knows who they mean. Um, once in a while, Adolf Hitler and Abraham Lincoln. And beyond that, you don't find historical figures that, that the, the supermarket tabloid expects every member of the public to know about
0: immediately. Right, and, and I think that speaks to sort of the iconic nature of these folks. Um, you know, when uh, last year I had a great opportunity to uh, lead a delegation of history educators to to Beijing, and I uh, brought Lincoln along as sort of a talisman, and invoked Lincoln a lot on the trip to the different places we went to, and almost universally, everybody that I talked with who is Chinese could co- somehow connect with Lincoln. Um, there's an incredible reverence for him there are uh, you know sunyat sen whether the story is apocryphal or not supposedly the only picture hanging in his home uh was a, a a portrait of abraham lincoln um i i believe that Mao's tomb is is a somewhat carbon copy of 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 uh of bacon's um henry bacon's memorial to lincoln here in washington and i think the seated figure of Sun Yat-sen that's in Taipei is very reminiscent of the Daniel Chester French figure that's inside Bacon's tomb, uh, Bacon's uh, memorial. Interesting.
1: I I, I recall hearing the same thing when I was at the, the Lincoln Museum in Fort Wayne, being affiliated with the Lincoln National Life Insurance Company. In the 1990s, there was an initiative of the company to try to open an office in China which I think came and went. It was the, the business fad of the month. Um, I don't know if anything came of it, but one of the the points people kept making was how uh, Lincoln was a recognizable figure in China uh, in a way that no other American historical figure really was.
0: Yeah, and it's it's very interesting how their their high school history textbooks interpret Lincoln because we looked at a bunch of... Chinese world history textbooks, and Lincoln is taught within the context of the great unifiers. You know, Bismarck, uh, Cavour, uh, Garibaldi, um, Sun Yat-sen. I mean, he's you know he's not segmented in sort of a bit about American history, but he's taught within context of other people who unified their nations um, in, in a different way that, than Lincoln did. But nevertheless, he's he's seen more. I, I would say less myopically from their viewpoint than say from our viewpoint.
1: That, that's very interesting. If you have a series of wars of national unification in the mid 19th century, and we we don't think of our Civil War in those terms at all.
0: No, no, we don't.
1: But but just as Italy and Germany are pulling themselves together by fighting uh, and determining which region will will dominate, uh, one could certainly argue the United States does exactly the same thing. Sure. The, uh, uh, speaking of China, I, I received some literature in the mail not long ago advertising another such trip to China that you were, were involved in. And it mentioned you were connected with uh, American University. Yes. Uh, what 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 do you have going there?
0: Well, I was asked um, three years ago by the dean of the School of Education if I would join their faculty part-time as uh, a member to uh, teach the social studies methods course for uh, secondary school students, so students who are either undergraduates or MA students in um, secondary ed social studies. I now am one of the the instructors of the class, and then uh, I talked with sarah because at the same time my writing of lincoln was moving along at a fairly rapid pace i i broached her about the possibility that i'd like to teach a lincoln class in the history department and she brokered a meeting between myself and bob griffin the chair of the history department and he was very gracious and uh... this past spring i taught a, a 300 three hundred six hundred level split course called lincoln's Le- the legacy of abraham lincoln and that was really cool because you know I was a high school teacher by day and and a college professor by night and we did you know we we looked at Lincoln sort of in a, in a more than just a biographical way we looked at Lincoln's life and sort of you know his memory and his legacy and what that has left and, and, and how that's done through film and through music and uh, poetry um, we took a couple of field trips we did um, we did a, a, a tour of Lincoln sites here in Washington, D.C., and then, uh, I went with a a bunch of the students down to Richmond, and we, the National Park Service every year does the Lincoln Walk, uh, from the James River to, uh, the Confederate White House and stops along the way, and we, we did that, and, you know, it was, it was a great class, and it was a, it was a great opportunity and a great experience for me to, uh, you know, to have taught at that, at that level.
1: So, the Lincoln Walk recreates, 1865, right. when Lincoln arrives in, in Richmond and correct walks through the, the burning ruin of the town, basically. Right. That, which is just a remarkable moment in American history to draw a contemporary analogy, to, to imagine the present commander-in-chief uh, flying to, to Baghdad and then walking through the, not through the green zone, but through the, the uh, you know most dangerous parts of town. Well, it's just I, un- know, unthinkable.
0: The the thing that strikes me, and again, the the historical record, as with many of these things, is often unclear. Um, You know, there's this new statue that was dedicated in 2003 outside the the Tredegar Iron Works, which is now the the Park Service Visitor Center. You know, it has Lincoln seated with, with Tad, and some of the accounts have Lincoln holding Tad's hand walking through you know walking through the town and and what I like to tell my students is that now here comes the conquering hero, and in most scenarios in history, you have the conquering hero comes riding in on a on a horse he's he's got a sword or some other weapon of war in his hand and here you have Lincoln and Lincoln walks and he in his hand is the hand of a ten year old boy and i there's there's a certain sense of poignancy about that whether whether it's embedded partially in mythology or whether it's embedded partially in truth, there's there's a, a, a certain kind of poignancy, I think, that, that resonates with that story.
1: Absolutely. It is, is a remarkable moment.
0: Now, we left our high school students in
1: Cincinnati meeting with the Lincoln presenters. From there, you took them on to uh, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, to my old stomping ground. And if, if I have the sequence right... Mm-hmm. You do? Um to tie things together, we, we, I mentioned we had the Lincoln presenters in Fort Wayne. The Daily Show uh, did a segment on the Lincoln presenters at the Fort Wayne Museum, uh, which was quite uh, quite funny. Uh, I was appeared on. I, I was filmed for it, but I ended up on the cutting room floor. So if you ever see a rerun of The Daily Show from Okay, uh, uh, I, I won't be there. But the uh, the It was quite a success for the museum. I recall at the time telling the director, the Daily Show was new enough, not everybody knew about it, telling the director, it's a news show from New York, because I was afraid if I said it's a comedy show, (laughs) the administration would get all nervous and not want to have them show up. Uh, So we we got them in, and we had a very good time. Now, you were there, and you got to see some of the the, the treasures of the collection.
0: Yes, um, yes, they... Uh, because of my work with the Lincoln Bicentennial Commission in developing educational materials, uh, I was we were able to get a really cool uh, behind-the-scenes look. And for me, the most stunning moment was seated in that same room that you and I met in 2002, there sitting on the table in very soft, muted light, but no glass or anything, was one of the copies of the 13th Amendment that Lincoln put his signature on and that really grabbed all of us um, because it, 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 it was there was nothing between us in that time period there was no glass you go to a museum and you look behind glass and there's sort of a different relationship that you have with artifacts and documents that are behind glass but when they're just laying on the table there there's a real human element that is transmitted and that was just you know in the, in the parlance of my students that was just awesome
1: that that, that was awesome and it's it's something uh, even people working in museums uh, never become fully immune to that that moment when you realize lincoln touched this and i can touch it now uh, with gloves on yes, yes. but but i'm right there i'm right there with yes We're going to take another short break, and we'll come back. We're talking to Jim Prococo about the teaching of American history and the story of Lincoln in particular here on Civil War Talk Radio.